Oh, I love that. Well, hello, everybody. Happy Sunday. Good to see you today. My name is Glenn. I'm one of the pastors at our church. I'm not our lead pastor. Actually, uh, pastors Eugene and Laura, they're up north, and uh, they just did a gender reveal with their very first grandbaby, and so we're with them and excited, and you want to know what it is? I'm not going to tell you. So um, I'm going to let him do that. I don't want to steal that thunder from uh, that moment for him so he can do that next week. Or you might want to just follow. If you don't already follow him on social media, you can do that. And uh, but we're so excited for them. And I really feel like I got a word for you today. And if you're here for the very first time, uh, let me be the first from the stage to, with all my heart, say welcome home. We really are so honored that you're here. It's not easy to walk into a church. Uh, we really we know that. And uh, we're just so glad that you're with us today. And maybe you're watching us online. Thanks for checking us out today. City Church, can we put our hands together and honor and welcome all those here for the first time? It's awesome. We'll go ahead and stand for the reading of God's word today. And you can turn your Bibles to John chapter four. It's actually my favorite chapter in all of the Bible. John chapter four, and we're gonna look at verse 35. And while you're turning there, I just wanna um, set the context of what we're about to read. Uh, just if, if you're new to faith or to Jesus, I just want you to know we're a community that believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Uh, we believe that the Word of God, the Bible, is God's holy inspired Word to us. And so when we gather together, we gather to respond to God's goodness in song and worship. And we also look to His Word for direction in our lives. And so you're never going to hear a talk here at our church where we're not going to have scripture as the foundation of what we live by and, 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 and grow in, etc. And so we're here. There are 66 books in, the, in, in God's word. And there's actually, it's kind of compartmentalized into two big sections. There's an Old Testament. Some people might say Old Covenant. And there's a New Testament and a New Covenant. So we're in the New Testament today. And uh, we're actually going to be looking at one of the gospels. There's four accounts. Gospel simply means good news. And it's for really just kind of uh, perspectives of Jesus. And we believe that Jesus actually lived. We believe that what we're about to look at is an actual occurrence of what actually took place. This is not just a ritualistic organization type thing we do. We really do believe that Jesus is the Son of God. We really do believe that he died, that three days later he was, he was buried, and three days later he is alive. He literally is alive. You can't go find him in a grave. Am I in the right house? Anybody just want to clap at that? You can if you'd like to. So, and we feel like as a community, understanding that allows us to be better parents, obviously gives us eternal life, but also helps us live a redeemed life on this earth. And so we're here in John's gospel and one of my favorite passages. And Jesus has just encountered this woman at a well. She's a Samaritan woman and Jesus is Jewish. And if you know anything about the context, this is important, but Jews and Samaritans don't get along. In fact, they're not allowed. Culture says they can't talk together. So Jesus' disciples go off to go to Chick-fil-A and get some food. All right? They didn't go to Popeye's to get that chicken sandwich. They went to Chick-fil-A, where God is. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that's funny. I just, um, so they're off wherever they are. Now it's a mixed, mixed debate. Um, and, and Jesus chose not to eat. And, and he not only didn't choose to eat, he chooses to engage this woman that culture says he's not supposed to. And so the disciples come back. And first of all, they're, they're really kind of surprised because he didn't go eat with them. And then secondly, they're really surprised because he's talking to the Samaritan woman. So they're all asking why. 
And here's his response. And as I read it, I want you to think about what God might be saying to you today as we open this up. So here's what Jesus says. Guys, don't you have a saying it's still four more months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life so that the sower and the reaper may be glad together. Thus the saying, one sows and another reaps is true. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. I've titled this message today, The Light is Green. The Light is Green. Can I pray for you today? Well, Heavenly Father, we come to you so graciously and we just thank you for moments like these where we can gather together. And Lord, I'm asking that your spirit would move in this room right now. Just as we sang, this is a move. God, we are asking for a continuing move of your spirit in our lives. And Lord, I just thank you that God, whether we're here in this room, maybe we're watching online right now, or maybe we're listening on podcasts in our car or vehicle, wherever we might be today. God, I know it's not by accident that you've drawn us together for this moment. So we ask you to move in Jesus' name. And somebody said... Amen. You may be seated. Hey, let me ask you a question just by a show of hands. How many of you have ever driven a motor vehicle of some sort? All right. Are there any teenagers that can't wait for the day? All right. Come on. Come on. Yeah. All right. So you've driven a vehicle. Okay. So let me ask the next question because there's really kind of two different vehicle people. There's normal vehicle people. And then there's the people that have road rage. Be honest. Are you one of the road rage people? No. Are you married to one? Yeah. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> I love it. Right? Come on. Any kids in the room? Are one of your parents crazy behind the wheel? You know what I'm saying? Okay, good. Does anybody have like that weird, everybody's, even if you're not, even if you don't have road rage, you know, somebody that like is that person, you know what I'm saying? Like they just, and, it, and I don't know about you guys, but it's just crazy. Like they're totally a normal person before they get in the car. You know what I'm saying? They're sweet. They're nice. They paid for your meal. You know, I mean, they're just great people. Well dressed. I don't know. And then they get in the car and they're like a different person. And, and <laughs> this is good. Am I doing good? All right, good. <laughs> Thank you. Great. What'd you get out of city church? I'm not sure, but I know she's got road rage. That's what I know. In fact, they, they kind of look like this. Can we put that before... This is what they look like before they enter the car. They're Princess Poppy, right? It's like hugs, not drugs, man. Let's eat Skittles and have fun. And like we're all together. And if I could just continue the trolls analogy, when they get behind the vehicle, they end up looking like this. The Birkin. Come on. You know what I'm talking about, right? In fact, I want to give you the top five reasons for road rage. Can I give them to you? Great. Okay. I'm glad you gave me permission for that. Number five is this. Driving slow in the fast lane and refusing to move over. Can I get a good amen? Wow. That's amazing. I'm striking a nerve right now, man. This is, you don't even know where I'm going with this message. Number four, keeping pace with the car next to you so that no one can, behind can go past. You know what I'm talking about? Dude. <laughs> Look at this. See, love it. She stood. She's, she's ready to receive. She is ready to receive, man. I love that. Number three, speeding up when you spot someone trying to merge. Like, they don't. What's up with that? You know what I'm saying? 
Is that you or are you just agreeing? Oh, why? Oh, I know. I, exactly why. Why, Lord? We don't understand it. We don't get it. Man, we need to preach a whole other message on this. I'm here. Number two, uh, blasting your horn prematurely. Like they just, they're too much on it. You know what I'm saying? It's like the light hadn't even turned green yet. You're already mad at me. You know, just too much, especially you guys from New York. Are you from New York? I don't know. But typically, I, so I, I've been in New York, and for whatever reason, I ended up driving a stick shift Volkswagen Beetle in the city. I've never been to the city before, by the way. That was an experience. That was an experience. Honking is like a way of life in some of our... But not here, though. Not on 46. That's not how we roll here. All right, we're chill. We're laid back. Okay, here's number one. All right, now, I guarantee you, you are going to agree with this. You are go- Even if you don't have road rage, you're gonna, there's going to be a pit of anxiety that I'm going to well up in you. And here's the picture. Do you know what this picture is of? Interstate 4. Come on. Interstate 4 is crazy, right? And I, I got to be honest with you. Now, I, I'm, uh, everybody's got that friend. I have that friend. I don't want to really call out any names or anything, but Brandon Gilbert. Um, <laughs> he's right over here. And... Uh, but I, I, to be honest with you, I, I'm, I don't naturally have road rage. Just, I, if you know me, I'm a pretty chill guy. Like I'm, I'm kind of relaxed. Um, I just, I, like if somebody cuts me off, I'm like, okay, sinners are going to sin. I don't know. <laughs> like, okay, I just get it. Like I'm not expecting them to be holy, you know? Um, and so I just kind of have that thought. But there is one thing that kind of gets me, okay? There's, there's one. There's one thing. And it's when I'm in a turn lane and the car, and the light turns green, but the car in front of me is like on their phone. And then, you know what I'm talking about? And then you miss the light. And then, I don't know about you, but then, like, I, I have these social dilemmas in my life in this moment, because it's like, okay, am I going to honk the horn, but I got a city church bumper sticker on my car? So then I'm like, I'm conflicted. You know, I'm like, I don't know what I do. Like, okay, but, you know, but, but city church people, we're not just passive. You know what I'm saying? You can't just roll over us, all right? We may have been redeemed and set free by Jesus, but we, you still better get the light. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so I'm just wrestling this, this deal. And, uh, and, and, and so that, that, can be, that can be challenging for me. Now, just get this. So just get this analogy. That, so the, the light is green, but the car in front of me is still acting like it's red. Another, let me say it like this. The light has given the vehicle permission to go, but it's still on the brake. And get this, because that vehicle is not moving, the cars behind it can't go to where they're called to go to. And so I, I, I just, I, I, about six weeks ago, God just dropped this word in my heart. And I, and I want to set it up with this, because obviously I'm going to tell you that the light is green in just a second. But listen, the light isn't always green. Life doesn't always work that way, does it? Come on, let's be real. There are times when, life isn't, when the light isn't green. Sometimes the light's red. Sometimes God's telling you to stop. In fact, in the book of Acts, when the Spirit poured out and the church began to grow, there's a part where it says the Holy Spirit's actually stopped them, stopped them in their tracks. There's a, there's a reset. There's a regroup. Teenagers in the room. God, there are times when God's going to stop you. And spiritually, that's going to happen. And there are other times when it's yellow. You know what yellow means? It means God's just kind of telling you change is coming. 
Like there, there are times you just you need to be cautious. You need to be sensitive. You need to be aware. You need to understand that the seasons are changing around you. And there are other times when the light is green. And let me show you in scripture. Ecclesiastes, some of you know this, but there is a time, Solomon says, for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and there's a time to die. There's a time to plant and a time to uproot. And he goes on to explain different analogies. Here's the point. Here's, you know what Solomon's saying? Sometimes the light's green and sometimes the light's yellow and sometimes the light is red. But I felt in my spirit and my heart, I just, I have a word for you today. If you consider yourself a part of our church, I just want to tell you that the light is green. I just felt like God brought me here to tell you today, the light is green. Can I speak over your marriage? The light is green. Like, can I speak over your business? The light is green. And I don't say this, honestly, I really wrestle this because these messages, I, I, I take, I take, I just take, I, you know, I don't want to just get up here and tell you what you want to hear, but I just really feel like I sense that God is entering us into a season of green light. It's a season of growth. And, 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 and can I tell you, I don't know if you know this, but in our calendar year, this every year, this is our season of growth. If you don't know, September, October, November, even into the Christmas season that we see the biggest increase in our church of people jumping in, knowing God, finding freedom, discovering purpose, make a difference. Those things are most evident here. Now, what you don't know is that the last seven days before this last Sunday, we've been in a week of prayer. Dozens and dozens and dozens of people have been praying and fasting. And I just know that based off of how those prayer meetings went, which I was at every one of them, I just sense that there's a green light entering into our season. And get ready. Get ready. There's a green light. Look to your neighbor. Come on, say that the light's green. Come on, tell him. <laughs> the light's green. I love that. The light is green. But if we don't watch it, guys, listen to me. If we don't watch it, we can be that vehicle where the light's green, but you're still not moving. If we, if we, if we don't watch it, we're distracted on our phone, whatever the analogy might be. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be that type of church where God has made the light green, but we're still with the brakes on thinking that the season's red. And so I just felt like God brought me here to tell you that the light is green. And I really, I was praying about, I was just really asking God, God, give me a real clear prophetic word for our church. And I'll be honest with you. I don't really have anything more than just the light is green. And I think the reason why is because I think it's going to be different for each one of us. That you can receive this word in your heart, in your situation, in your season, and it might look a little bit differently than the other. But God brought me to John chapter four, and I want to break down this passage, and I want you to hear what Jesus is saying to you. So if you have your handout, here's the very first thing that I believe that God is saying to us about the light being green. What is he calling us to do? Number one is this. You ready? You can fill in the blank there. It's stop the excuses. Let's stop the excuses. John chapter four, verse 35 says this. It says, don't you have a saying? It's still four more months until harvest. In other words, don't you have a saying that's an excuse on why you can't harvest now? It may be a good excuse, but it's still an excuse. And can I just tell you right now, do not make an excuse for God's calling on your life. Do not make an excuse. And can I just even speak to our church? Listen, let me speak to you personally, first of all. There are vehicles behind you that are waiting for you to go. 
Your children are behind you waiting for you to step up. Your grandchildren that you don't even have yet are waiting for you to, because there's a legacy that God wants to put. And can I speak to City Church? There are churches behind us that are waiting for us to step up. When we, when every single church, when the, when the boat rises, all boats rise. And so there, and you know, there's an anointing on this house. There's an anointing on our senior pastor. I, don't, I mean, if you're new to our church, there's a, I mean, there is a grace on this house. It's special. And I hope we don't take it for granted. But there's a grace for this place. And let's not make excuses for what God's calling us to do. So listen, just as Jesus said, don't you guys have like a saying you say? You know, we have sayings we say too, don't we? On why we can't. Can I give you maybe some of the excuses that we, we come up with? Here's the first one. I can't do what God's called me to do because I've made too many mistakes. I'm, I'm too disqualified. I'm, I'm too messed up. I'm too whatever. And if I had time, if I could take a $20 bill, bring it up here and start stomping on it, right? I could throw it in water or whatever. Does it lose its value? No. And you don't either. You don't either. Stop telling me. Listen, did God tell you that? He didn't tell you that. Last time I checked, I, I saw a meme recently on, on like Facebook or something, and it says, I'm thankful that when God called me, he knew how stupid I was. It was something like that, right? He, knows, he knew all my stupidities before he ever called me. It's so true. He knows that you're going to make mistakes. He knows that you're going to mess up, but he's still calling you. And I just listen to me. Don't believe the lie that you don't matter. My God, we need everybody on this in, in their lane. And can I tell you, this city needs you. Like this city needs you to step up. This city needs a church to be vibrant and alive and passionate and called. That's you. That's us. And so I just encourage you today, stop the excuses. All right, let me give you another one. I told you, you didn't know where I was going. Y'all were laughing earlier. Number two, I'm too busy. You got to watch that. Now, listen, I'm a firm believer of guarding what's most important. That's right. I am a firm believer of that. So you may be here today and you know, your excuse before was like, we just had a baby and you know, we had, we had, they had pampers and wipes and all that stuff. Well, that was four years ago. I'm serious. Why are you still using an excuse like that? Listen and listen, if you're not going to do it for yourself, do it for the people behind you. God's called you. Like there are people, there, there, there probably should have been 50 more small groups this summer, this semester. And I, like, like I, listen, just receive this word today, but let's like, we don't make an excuse on what God's called you. Can I tell you, this is why I'm so passionate about this because it's so much more fun to be in the game. It just is like, if you think church is awesome now, like get in, like jump in, get into growth tracks, start discipling people, get discipled, start having spiritual conversations, meet somebody at Foxtail, like wherever, like just, it is fun. And can I just ask you this? Do you remember the last time you helped somebody come to Jesus? Do you remember how you could barely sleep that night? Cause you were so animated. I mean, do you remember the conversations with your spouse or with your friends? And you're like, dude, She's one step closer, man. We had such a good conversation. Man, we're closer, man. Let's just continue to pray for them. I know they're one. Do you remember those moments? Like, oh, that is so much fun. 
Isn't it awesome when those things happen? I want that for you. And if you haven't experienced that, oh my gosh, there's nothing like the joy of seeing somebody come to Jesus. It is just awesome. Number third one. Number third. I like that. Uh, You know, another excuse to make, I need more education. I don't know enough. Do you know in the book of Acts, here's what they said about the disciples. They said they are unlearned, untrained people that anybody know what else it says? That had been with Jesus. One touch from God, one moment in his presence, one moment with him. And all, listen, you don't need the education. I'm not saying we shouldn't grow in the scriptures. I'm not saying we shouldn't take next steps. I'm not saying that we shouldn't become theologically sound and doctrinally sound. It is important in your life, but at the end of the day, it doesn't qualify or disqualify you. In fact, I was at a, I was at a homegoing service yesterday that, that I officiated and a, a gentleman got up and he shared for a few minutes and he was passionate about the gospel. And he came up to me afterwards and he was very nervous. And he said, he said, man, I, you know, I'm not a pastor. You know, I don't know if I was allowed to do that. I thought, are you kidding me? You don't need a title, which let me just go to the next one here. Because some people think I need a title. I, 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 can't, I can't disciple people until I get some type of title around here. I can't, I can't do what God's called me to do until I get some stage time, until I get some mic time, whatever the thing might be. And the excuses could go on and on and on. But listen, let's not make excuses for what God's called us to. Look to your neighbor. Come on, just say, let's not make excuses. Come on. We ain't making excuses. There's a city to win. Second one that, that Jesus speaks to us is this. And you have it in your notes there. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Look at what The scripture continues to say as Jesus is speaking to us. He says, I tell you, open your eyes and look. I love that idea. Can we just break this down for a second? Let me ask you a question. Could they physically see? The answer is yes, by the way. Typically, the answers at church are Jesus or yes. Okay, just no. You can kind of just go back and forth. You probably could have said Jesus. I still would have thought it was right. Okay, so I tell you, open so if they could physically see, what, what is he talking about? Spiritual. Could this be true to us today? We're physically seeing, but we're spiritually not seeing. Could this be true about our church? Come on, let's just, where the shoe fits, like we could be physically seeing, but not spiritually seeing. You know, so you know what he tells you to do? He says, start looking. My daughter is three and she's learning how to not go across the road without stopping and looking to the left, looking to the right, and looking back to the left, right? Well, you know what she does now because she wants to make sure that dad notices is she doesn't just go over there and do this. She puts her hand up and she looks to the left, looks to the right, looks back to the left, and then looks back at me and is like, I love it, right? Obviously that's safe. But listen, God's calling you to look. When was the last time you walked through your neighbor walked through your neighborhood and just looked. God, give us spiritual eyes. Help us to see what you see. And can I challenge you to look beyond people's labels? Look beyond people's moments of inadequacy. Even if they've put labels on themselves, don't do it. God doesn't put labels on you. He doesn't see you as black, white, brown, Hispanic, whatever, whatever your nationality might be, American, European, whatever. He doesn't see you as Republican or Democrat or whatever. He sees you as you. 
a name, a person. Let's look beyond labels. And we, you know, we're about to enter back into a political cycle. Can I just challenge you as the church? Listen, and I know you may have your, your, your ideas and thinking on what side of the aisle you're on or whatever that might be. But can I tell you at the end of the day, don't see people as Republican or Democrat. Come on, we're better than that. Like, don't just see them as their skin color or economic background. Listen, other people might do that, but not in the church because our Savior doesn't see that way. So let's choose to look. Let's choose to look. Let's choose to open our eyes and see what God is seeing. And number three is this, is to get to the third blank there is work. Everybody say work. work. Get to work. Look at what Matthew 9 verse 36 says. This is when he saw, look at that, when he saw, when, it, when Jesus opened his eyes and looked, everybody else didn't see this, but Jesus did. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So he said to his disciples, here's what he says, listen, the harvest is plentiful. Can I paraphrase? The light is green. The light's green, but the what? But the what? The workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Did it say leaders? I, I, I'll teach our younger people that are growing in leadership. You know, we, we, if we don't watch it, we take a business mindset into the church. But the church is doing just okay with leadership, by the way. You know what it's called? It's called followership. It's called servant leadership. Because we have an ultimate leader. His name is Jesus. And so our, if we want to be a great leader, we actually need to be a great follower. And so we, if we follow him well, we'll lead well, by the way. The, in the business world, is starting to get this, by the way. Followership is becoming a, a popular term, but it's a biblical principle. It's been around for generations and generations and generations. And so we're back here in John chapter 4, verse 36. So what does this work look like? All right. Well, Jesus introduces this idea of reaping and sowing. Sowing and reaping. And so I just want to lay this out. You may be here and you say, okay, what does that look like to get to work? What is God calling me to do? Let me tell you, he's calling you to sow. Everybody say sow. He's calling you to sow some seed. And let me just give you some options on how you can do that. You can fill in the blank and create your own here. But can we go ahead and throw that, throw that, uh, that um, the different types of sowing? I challenge you today to sow words of encouragement. Be an encourager. Don't you love to be around people that are encouraging? It's like the best thing on the planet. Yeah, uh, on Friday, I played golf with a gentleman in our church, and uh, he, he was asking me about where the putt was going to go. Is it going to go right or is it going to go left? And I said, I have no clue, but I believe in you. <laughs> and can I just tell you, we need more of that in our community. I don't, you know, I don't know how this is all going to work out, but can I tell you, I'm in your corner. Even before you ever even believe in Jesus, I'm already in your corner. I love you unconditionally because that's what Jesus has done for me. I mean, we just, we want to sow seeds of encouragement. I was talking to a dad recently and he said, Glenn, I got to tell you, here's what you need to do with your kids. Sow as many seeds as you possibly can. Just keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing, keep sowing. And I'm telling you, you're going to reap a harvest. Just keep sowing, keep sowing. Can I challenge you? I hope that all of us walk out of this room sowing seed. I hope that you're an encourager at your business. I hope, you, I hope you're the employee that actually encourages your boss. Like, like be an encourager. All right, number two, or second one. I want you to sow prayers of faith. And this idea that if the harvest is here, 
The idea that we wouldn't have to work just doesn't make sense. If, if, if you've done any farming at all, which I haven't done a nut, but I do know enough to know that the, the crops don't just enter into the baskets on their own. You got to go out and you got to go get them. And so there is a work to do. There's a, there's a, there's a work that God's calling us to. And can I tell you, one of them is, is in the prayer room. I want to challenge you today. You need to step up your prayer game. There's personal prayer. There's devotional prayer. There's prayer where, it's, where we're, we're with God, and that's great. But there's an intercessory prayer that's going to win this city, where we stand in the gap for people. Do you know that you're here today because somebody stood in the gap for you? I want to encourage you. I don't care who you are. I don't care what your background is. Be a person of prayer. It doesn't cost you anything. Something I tell our team often, I say, Look, guys, we fight with prayer, and we win with love. Some Christians try to fight people and then do something else. No, no, no. The, the fight is not the person. The fight is a spiritual battle that we're going to fight the enemy with in prayer. But when we meet the person, we love the person. We love people right where they are. And so I encourage you, man, be a person that's sowing seed. Parents, sow seeds into your kids. It's so important. Sow finances into God's kingdom. You know, every time you return a tithe, every time you give of an offering, every time you decide to give, not only in our church, but just in our community to people, when you help buy a bed for somebody, when you help give to the Bahamas, do you know what you're doing? You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. You're sowing seed. And can I tell you, that seed will reap a harvest one day. It will. Like, it does not return void. It, it, is, it, is, it is good ground that you can be in. So, so we, there's a part of us that's sowing. There's another part of us that's reaping. And can I just throw out just a couple options on that? I want to encourage you today to invite people to church. Be an inviter. Hey, practice with me. Say this. Say, you're invited. That was beautiful. It's that simple. Leave a really big tip at the restaurant. And say, hey, you're invited. We got, we got flyers out there. We make it optional. Uh, we also have At The Movies coming up next week. Anybody excited about this? Uh, this is the most talked about series that we have. And uh, th- we actually see more people, new people, and more people come to Jesus in these four weeks than any other four weeks in the year. So this is a huge opportunity. Your friends that may never come to church, they might come to this. They will be able to have popcorn and soda in it's where the church and movies meet. And some people may say, well, why in the world is, you know, why do we have to bring movies in here to, to, to tell the gospel? And my, my response to that would be, why wouldn't we? Okay, so let me just start there, all right? And let me just say something else. So let me give you some, just a little bit of scripture on this. Um, let me just give you one. I, I could probably give you 50, okay? If you look through the life of Jesus, okay, there's a point in Matthew where Jesus says, hey guys, faith is like, it's like, um, it's like this. It's like a mustard seed. Does anybody know why he used a mustard seed to explain what faith is? But do you know who he's talking to? Farmers. He's expl- he's, he took faith, the principle of the kingdom, and he applied it in a metaphor that made sense to them. All we are doing is the exact same thing. We're simply taking biblical truths and instead of saying a mustard seed, anybody farm in here? Probably very few. Does anybody watch movies in here? Everybody. All we're doing is we're taking biblical principles and we're applying them to what everybody can relate with. We're speaking the language of our culture. Aren't you just thankful for a pastor and for a leadership team that's able to do things that are a little bit different? It's just awesome. And so invite people. Hey, let me just throw this up here. I just, in my spirit, I just want to say, try one more time. The light's green. 
Just try one more time with your neighbor. Try one more time with your coworker. Just don't, don't give up. Don't stop praying. Just try one more, one more time. And as we close, I just, I, I want to say one more thing from, from John chapter four that honestly was just what solidified me to share this word with you. I don't know if you know this, but we're not the first community to gather in this facility to lift up the name of Jesus. There was actually a church that was here before us, a wonderful church, a wonderful group of people. And there are some that are here today that have become a part of our church as we took over this facility. Here's what I want to tell you guys. Let me just say it in a question. Do you think we are the only people that have ever prayed in this building for God to move? Do you know that there are thousands and thousands of prayers of seeds that have been sown in this building, at this altar, before we ever got here? Do you know that there were finances that were given? There were were prayers that were made. And can I just tell you, here's what I know. God heard every one of those prayers. So you know what? I'm expectant for God to move. Mom, dad, grandma, you keep praying over your babies. Because you don't know. Maybe after you pass is when that prayer might come to fruition. But it's going to come to fruition. It's going to come. And let me show you this passage. This really struck to me. Because I feel like this is what God wants to say to City Church today. Jesus is saying, I sent you, City Church, to reap what you have not worked for. Others, there's a, there was a church before us that prayed. Others, there, there, was a, there was a mom that's been praying for you ever before you ever started praying. There was a grandma, there was a neighbor, there was an uncle, there was somebody that was praying before you ever ever even showed up on the earth. Others have done the hard work and you have reaped the benefits of their labor. And I just sense in my heart, even this last week, there are many of you that didn't come. And I encourage you, next January, seven days of prayer, this place should be full. No more excuses. You you should be here and make sure that you're here. We should pack this place out. Prayer meetings should be full. It's a good thing. We'll teach you how to pray if you don't know how to. It's easier than you think. But let me tell you, (laughs) there was a team of about 50 to 80 people this last week that have been praying the house down for a move of God this season. And as I walked through that prayer meeting, I just sensed in my heart this word that, man, God is, there's a green light on this house. There's a green light on your merit. Like there is a green, the light is green. Light is green. Would you stand to your feet all across this place?